much. My name is Norm, and I'm an alcoholic from Monrovia. And I'm extremely happy to have the opportunity to be here, and I, I want to thank uh, Bruce and uh, Henry and the entire committee for the opportunity to be here tonight and to participate, the opportunity to see some old friends and to reunite myself with some uh, new from old friends and to, to meet some new people here. To have the opportunity to say uh, welcome to all of the new people that are out there tonight for your first, second, or third meeting in Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you will tonight, why try to keep an open mind on what you can use, why take it with you, and if you can't use it, why be good enough to kick it out of the chair and leave it here. <clears throat> and you've got to remember that anything I might try and say here tonight are going to be things that I personally believe in. It's going to be what the program of Alcoholics Anonymous means to me. It's going to be some things that I've used to stay sober over a period of time. That I'm not by any stretch of imagination an authority, a consultant, or a counselor on the program Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm an example, good or bad, that AA works. That it has been necessary for me to take a drink, steal anything, and go to jail now for over 28 years. I'm sure that... <clears throat> I really didn't think anybody would be impressed. <clears throat> I am, obviously. I never brought it up. And you never know. I've been talking about it for years. You know, we've had a lot of changes in AA, and I keep thinking, you know, somewhere down the road, we're going to get a pension program going. And... <clears throat> Like God, if we ever do, I sure want to get credit for all my time. So I bring it up any time I have the opportunity, and if I don't have the opportunity, I'm going to talk about it anyway. But to the new guy that's sitting out there tonight, it's difficult to digest when you hear people talking about this sobriety. You know, you're sitting there, and you're a couple of days sober. You're nervous as hell. You're sitting on your hands, jumping out of your knickers, and you hear a guy say, I haven't had any booze now for 28 years, and you probably want to run outside and throw up. And I can, you know, I can understand that. I can still relate to it. I hope the hell I never forget. You know, I'm sitting there in that first Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, and at that time I was 29 years old. And a guy stands up in front of the group that night, and he says, I haven't found it necessary to take a drink, steal anything, and go to jail now for nine and a half years. And I, I felt the same way. You know, what a liar. Jesus, what a liar. Well, man, there ain't no way a guy could go nine and a half years if he doesn't drink. You know, how can he make it out there in that rotten jungle and deal with all those lousy people and meet his responsibilities and, and be sober for nine and a half years, and I just couldn't visualize it. Anybody could do it. And I hadn't come to AA for nine and a half years to compound the problem. I'd come to AA for a little while. I think most of us did. I, I came in here because I had a lot of heat on out there, and I wanted to get that heat off. I wanted to find some way to control this thing that was giving me so much trouble. I wanted to uh, get back out and get going because I had a great deal to do. Uh, alcoholics are busy people, and I had a lot moving out there, and I want to get out before it's all gone. You know how that goes. And I had a lot of my friends were out there, my best friends, and they were out there, and uh, I couldn't think of their names, but they were my best friends. And I, <laughs> I was concerned about their well-being, and I was quite sure that they'd have a difficult time to survive if I wasn't there, and I went on and on with this damn thing. And I almost rationalized myself right out the door and back into those gin mills, but I, I kept going to meetings. And if I'm going to say anything tonight that may be significant, why, you got to go to meetings, you see. It's so very, very important. Whether you've been around for 28 days or 28 years, it really doesn't make much difference, not as far as I'm personally concerned. You see, if I'm going to maintain any semblance of sanity and serenity and peace of mind and sobriety, if I'm going to uh, find the equalizer in my life, I'm going to find it here in Alcoholics Anonymous. The answers to my problems, most of my problems, why, I'll be able to relate and to talk to the people here. You see, if the people out there on that street could have answered my problems, hell, I'd have still been out there. There's no question about it. But uh, they couldn't, and so I came here, and so they became the, the equalizer in my life. And today, more so than ever, uh, last year was kind of a mass exodus. There were half a dozen of my friends. They were from 16 to 26 years, and they all went back out again, and they're all still out there. And I've talked to several of them, and their stories are all the same, that they just haven't had any time for the last 10, 15 years to 
get to any meetings, you see. The equalizer in their life was long gone. They got involved in other things that they felt were more important, and now they're out there struggling to try to get back again. Easier to stay here, you see. And when you're new, it's so very important because you've got a lot of questions. And like, hey, I'm concerned about the next nine and a half years, and they assured me in a short period of time that I needn't be concerned about the next nine and a half years. That all I had going for me was now, right now. They said, Norm, it's now. And there isn't any more. You couldn't change what happened a couple of hours ago. And I can't tell you what's going down a couple of hours from now. That if there's anything moving in my life, it's moving it's right now. And you better get all you can get right now, good, bad, or indifferent. Because you may not be through this way again. Or maybe it's not going to be through again until you better get a hold of it. You know, all you can get. And if you're sitting out there and you're brand new and it's going good, for God's sake, don't talk. You know, don't say to your sponsor, how come it's going so good? You know, if it's going good, man, get it. All you can get right now, because I'll tell you, buddy, it'll get salty later on. I'll guarantee you that. Yes. <laughs> and by golly, I come to find out that if I just got to take care of it right now, the day would take care of itself. And I've been moving that way now for over 28 years. And it was just the other day, really, that I walked through the door and I sat there in those AA meetings. And I'm a brand new guy and I'm going through the mental gymnastics that everybody goes through. Is uh, What the hell am I doing in AA? Why am I an alcoholic? This isn't something I've been looking forward to over a long period of time. <laughs> I had not gone down to my high school concert and he said, what would you like to be? And I said, an alcoholic. <laughs> God, he was overjoyed, my concert was. He said, marvelous, we got a hell of a program for jackasses, boy. Yeah. And I took that program and I ripped that city for 15 years and I ended up in AA. As a matter of fact, I was not even an alcoholic the day before I came to the program. None of us were, were we? <clears throat> we're all heavy drinkers. <clears throat> Victim of unusual circumstances and rotten drivers. But man, I ain't no alcoholic, you know. And so I'm sitting here wondering, why is it? All of a sudden, here I am, and I am an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic probably by virtue of my family. My family are all heavy drinkers. <clears throat> they did a lot of boozing out there, but I was the only alcoholic in the whole rotten family, and that bothered me a lot. You see, I thought, why have I been given the cross to carry when I'm the best they produced? And there was never any question about that, because I'd talked to myself about that several times. And the, the answer always came out, you are the greatest guy you know. Yes, well, <clears throat> why are you an alcoholic and nobody in your family's alcoholic? And I couldn't solve that problem. And my people were fine people. Don't get me wrong, and I love them and they love me. My people are Irish Italian. <clears throat> They're not overly intelligent. They talk a lot with their hands. They're uh, <clears throat> too poor to paint and too proud to whitewash. And that takes care of us for about 75 years out there. But... By God, when you want to know something about booze, you come to see us, and we'll tell you about it. We not only told you about it, but we made it. <clears throat> the Italians made it, the Irish drank it, and I got to AA, and that's about the way it went. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt between my family and the environment that the problem was there. I'm a product of L.A., and anybody coming out of Los Angeles had a lot of trouble, but it's, hell, L.A. is a city, isn't it? And you can get out anywhere you want to get out of. If you want it bad enough, and you're willing to make the sacrifices to get her to do it, <clears throat> people, places, and things don't make anybody anything. No, whiskey made me alcoholic. And if you're sitting out there new tonight, well, maybe your problem is the same thing, identical to mine, you see. And I figured all that out by myself. It was the whiskey. That was it. I drank that whiskey out there as hard and as fast as I could drink it. And somewhere in that lottery of my life, I crossed some invisible line from the social aspect of drinking to the compulsive area. One's too many and a thousand aren't enough. Looking for the answer, living in a quart of whiskey, and I can't find it. The whiskey was the problem, and I'm the guy that did the drinking. So when you get down to the bottom line, I'm the problem. And that hasn't changed up to it, including today. Because no matter where I go, I'm the first guy to get there. <clears throat> I don't think any of us had to call somebody up and say, Charlie, <clears throat> I'm down here on Vermont. Will you please come down and help me get it screwed up? I have never had to do that. <clears throat> I've been able to overreact to any situation, anywhere, anytime. I don't need anybody to help me out there. I had all that before I ever took a drink. I still revert back to that old personality from time to time. I'm the first guy to admit that making money's good, but getting even's better a lot of times. It is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> 
And that's the way it used to be. That was me. These were all of the qualifications I had long before that booze. I traveled half the world in half my life. I made a complete ass of myself. I spent money I didn't have buying things I didn't need, trying to impress people I didn't like. <clears throat> I sat around them bar stools and talked to them high rollers <laughs> about being all things to all people. I built the castles in the air and formed the corporations. I talked to millions spent and thousands in the pocket. I, I drove the Cadillacs up and down the barn night after night after night. And <clears throat> when them big money people said, what do you do, man? I said, I do it all, boy. I thought, yeah. <clears throat> I'm the general manager of the universe, and don't you ever forget that. Yeah. The alcoholic spends a lifetime impressing a group of people he's never met in his life that he is something he isn't. Ah, God, you might find me in August driving around L.A. with the windows rolled up in my car to make him think I had an air conditioner, you know. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, when I came into the program, I found out that I didn't have to operate, I didn't have to live that way any longer. When I got to AA, what well, the people said to me straight out, Sonny, don't impress us here. We have been impressed by experts in the business. <laughs> because everybody in AA is an expert. And the beauty of that statement is you needn't take my word for it. All you got to do is just kind of talk to the guy next to you. <clears throat> About anything, I don't care what it is, he's going to comment on it. If he doesn't know what you're talking about, he'll probably say, that's true, yeah. <laughs> so you discover you're around a, a lot of experts, and no matter where you've been, there's guys got here before you did. I remember one night I was telling this guy, I thought he'd be impressed, I was new, and I said, son, you know, I've been in jail about 25 times. He says, the hell he has, son, I did that in a year. You know, so... So you learn real early, just lay it all down and grab the package that's available to you here and be yourself. I don't have to compete with anybody today. I don't have to compete with you. Or you, or I. All I got to be today is to be sober and be a little bit better than what I was yesterday. And that's enough. And if you're new here this evening, you might give it a little thought, and you just might grab that package, and you might take it out with me tomorrow on that city street, and you might spend the day just being sober, being yourself, and being a little bit better than what you were yesterday. And I can tell you without any reservation whatsoever, it's the best deal I ever had in my life. And I'm a guy that looks half the world out there trying to find the best deal, <clears throat> and I didn't find it. Not until I got here and was surrounded and introduced and subjected to a <clears throat> marvelous group of people that chose to call themselves Alcoholics Anonymous. This evening, to tell you just briefly about what I was like, I told you a great deal. I got a bad attitude, and by virtue of my bad attitude, I got a rotten attitude, as a matter of fact. And because of my rotten attitude, I had a lot of rotten trouble out there. My rotten trouble started in 1939. I wasn't drinking in 39. I was stealing. I, mean, I was too young to drink. I, I'm a thief by trade. I'm an alcoholic by absorption. I, I was the vice president, general manager of all the outside operations of the Midnight Auto Supply in the San Gabriel Valley. I, I, I was in the car business. I could sum it all up by saying if it was too big to carry, I laid down beside it and claimed it. And that was the way it went. I became one of the greatest and finest car thieves that ever came out of the valley, but it was illegal. I was arrested. I went to jail, and that was the end of that vocation. <clears throat> After I got out of the can, I started, uh, I suppose, looking for something that was going to get me, you know, all moving, that uh, fantasy land, and that booze walked in. <clears throat> the first time I was drunk in my life was in 1941. It was Easter week in Los Angeles. Easter week, Balboa Beach, the Rendezvous Ballroom, Stan Kenton, and Padre Beer. And what a deal. Jesus. We, we'd drink a little Padre, and we'd get a little buzz on. We'd go in that dance hall, and we'd dance with them dollies, and we'd act four times drunker than what we were, and we'd, we'd breathe on them girls, you know, let them know, you know. <laughs> Big man's in from L.A., baby. What do you say, huh? Got a little booze out there in the car, you know. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Hell, it was fun. In the beginning, I didn't have any trouble. I didn't get any jams. I didn't wake up in the morning and have more to drink. 
On the weekends is the way it went. We either went to the Cotton Club down in Culver City or the Tree Island Southgate or the Pasadena Civic or the Rendezvous Ballroom and down Balboa and it was the Dorsey Brothers and Kenton and the rest of it. It was fun. I kind of ground it out. I moved out of Padre because it never gave you enough. Uh, you had to drink a lot of it to get a buzz on it. I'm a guy to look for the buzz. And I moved from the Padre to the Rainier Rail, the old Green Death. And from the Green Death, I moved into whiskey. And when I got to whiskey, I found it. The greatest thing made since money and girls was whiskey. I even got to the point in my life I liked the taste of it. Yeah, God, what a break. My sponsor drank for over 30 years and hated every drop he ever drank, you know. But I, I got to the point that I liked the taste of it. But I liked the buzz. Man, that whiskey gets your attention. And it gets it right now. To get you downtown. And man, that's all I ever wanted to be. I want to be downtown. And I don't want to get there in a little bit. I want to get there right now. And, and you got to admit that whiskey does. Difficult in the beginning when you're young and you're training out there. I broke in on that tent high. And that was about as rotten as you can get, that old tent high. Burned going and coming and ran out my nose and made my eyes water. But I, I hung in. And I, I think that's important. You know, if a guy's going to be an alcoholic, he doesn't give up because he he's a little, does he? You stay in there, man. Yeah. And the day comes you can drink a pot of whiskey and you don't heave anymore and you kind of feel good all over about it, don't you? Yeah. And that was the beginning of the end. That whiskey started getting me in more trouble than I had been in before. I violated my probation in the end of 41. They were going to send me back to jail. Ah, the war broke out by then and rather go to jail, they gave me the opportunity to join the service. So I joined the Navy. I went in the Navy in January 1942. I stayed four years. I went in a seaman, came out a seaman. That's... <laughs> Pretty hard to do. Uh, people said uh, to me, oh, Norm, how did you do that? Uh, and I said, you just put your mind to it, that's all. Right? And an alcoholic, he can do it if he wants to. And the guy said, well, how come he didn't get a kick out of BCD or something worse? You know, I, I said, I'm, I'm sure, like most alcoholics, hell, I'm a hard worker. You, know, you can say that about most of the alkies. You know, they're hard workers. they got to work 25% harder than anybody else just to stay even out there, right? That old alky's always coming from behind. He's always got the heat on. In order to get the heat off, we always, when he's right, he's got to go. Our best day is Tuesday. <laughs> we miss Monday. Man, we give her hell Tuesday, don't we? We run all over. We're doing four jobs in one, getting that heat off out there. And that was the story of my life. I like ships. I like the sea. When I was aboard ship and I was at sea, I did a good job. I didn't get in any trouble. I sure, I drank some of that shipboard juice, a little aquavelva, vitalis, sneaky Pete. A little fermented coconut juice. Uh, you know, a few things like that. Uh, Stuff made by all those amateur distillers, but I, I was able to kind of keep it under control. But when that ship pulled into port and I was on the beach, man, I'm in a jam. One jam after another. I never got back to the ship until they hauled me in. I was court-martialed for many other, many things. I had a deck, a summary, and a general court. I did 11 and a half months in the Navy brig up in the top of Goat Island off a general court-martial. Had 70, 80 days solitary confinement on bread and water. Some other miscellaneous things are not important, but all directly due to booze. I survived the service. And I came back to L.A. in 46. In 46, that invisible line, I made mention. I passed it. I'm that guy out there really looking for that answer to live in that quart of whiskey now. Can't live with it and can't live without it and don't want to. I crossed that invisible line, I, I really couldn't tell you. 19, 20, it doesn't really make any difference. But in, in 1946, I'm now starting to always come from behind. In 1946, uh, strange things happened, uh, in spite of myself. I heard about AA. In 1946, I was having a bad time in a rotten town down south called Pasadena. Bad town. Bad cops, rotten judge, terrible jail. 